0: provided by you yeah I, I think trying to
1: get everything that happens into this is going to be like trying to lasso the wind <laughs> it's just going to be
0: well they threw a, so a many sis- things Sissy out to ask. <laughs> God.
1: Just, man this still all right should we actually introduce the show indeed all right hey everybody welcome to horror vomit where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to my name is Chris Vaff, and I am your host, and with me is everybody's favorite nazi punch and archaeologist, James Marino. And uh, what are we talking about today, James?
0: The taking of Deborah Logan.
1: Yes, 2014's Taking of Deborah Logan, written by Gavin Heffernan and Adam Robitel, and also directed by Adam Robitel, starring Jill Larson as Deborah Logan, Ann Ramsey as Sarah Logan, and Michelle Eng as Mia. Yes, I, that's a very short cast list. There's a lot more, but... Right, but honestly... For the sake of getting through it so we can talk to this movie, let's I only, go.
0: I only recognized two of the people in the movie when I saw it. I don't think I recognized any. Well, one of them, uh, the daughter, Sarah... Uh-huh. Was on Mad About You. Yeah, I I read that, and I I don't remember that show at all. Well, yeah, I do, because it was on at one of the places I worked at, so... Yeah, because that was on when you were in, like, what, mid-50s or something? Yeah, well, you know, it was right after we gave the Kaiser what for. So, right in that general vicinity. I had soda in my mouth, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Well, then that was well played. Gave the Kaiser the what for.
1: Anyway, all right, um... So and, let's uh, get and, right into this motherfucker.
0: Well, actually, the only other person I recognized was Jessica because um, I remember my um, my cousins used to watch all my children. Jessica. Not Jessica. I'm sorry, Deborah. Deborah. Yeah, I've got I know somebody <laughs> named with the same name, so it throws me.
1: Oh yeah, senior
0: moment. Yes, exactly. Shut Which up. leads into yeah, 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 our yeah.
1: film. Um, so I sent you this text last night because I know we were both watching it last night just to brush up on it again. Yes the beginning of this movie is one of the most efficient fucking pieces of filmmaking that i've ever seen in my life absolutely in three minutes we learn who every character is what their motivations are and why we're here and what they're doing
0: yes one of the many fine things in this film
1: yes like i said we're introduced to mia Mm
0: -hmm. a
1: little bit with the cameraman, right deborah Harris
0: right and you get like you said you get motivations right away uh-huh they're allowing the camera crew there because they need the money for the house
1: yes because Mia's working on a documentary for her doctorate and she got a grant from the University and Harris is there because he's been their neighbor for God knows how long he's known Deborah forever so he's that caring elderly neighbor that's out helping her garden and mm-hmm. we immediately know who Sarah is when she runs up. Like, oh, she's very clearly a lesbian. I mean, yeah. And they don't, it's not like In an offensive stereotype or anything, but she's very much like, yeah, not prim and proper. That's yes. another thing that they introduce is that.
0: Though it's the dynamic between the mother and the daughter. You can tell that the mom disapproves uh-huh. and, never say, and never outright states it. But you could, you know, dress a little more feminine.
1: Yes. And uh shit, what was I gonna say?
0: Oh the uh, sheriff, the interaction with the sheriff. No,
1: when they get out of the car, she says, Oh, where's mom? She was right here. So we know immediately going in that she's there looking after her mother. They go back and just that simple line of, Oh, Harris is with her. Yes. You get an immediate sense of who all these people are. It is fucking perfect writing and filmmaking, visual filmmaking in the first three minutes.
0: Yes, and actually continue on with that perfect filmmaking because if you've ever seen a student documentary and I've uh, seen yes. way too many, mm-hmm. they hit every trope.
1: Yep, because uh, one week later, the film crew enters. We see, uh, I want to say his name is Gavin. Gavin, I think... Who's picking up a bunch of shit in the house and they're telling him, don't do not do that, don't do oh, that. Oh, don't
0: touch anything. Yeah. Please Say please and thank you. Be
1: yep. polite. Yep, yep. Uh, Sarah walks in and says, you know, tell her thank you.
0: Go tell her thank you. Kiss yeah. her ass a little bit.
1: Yeah. Because she is that prim, proper old woman who pretty much demands respect. And, and
0: uh, appearances are very important. You can tell by the house. The house is well put together. Yeah. Everything is presented a very specific way. In
1: the way that she's dressed. Yes. very, very proper. Meticulous, too. Yes. She looks like she's going to church every single day. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Yes. That's what I wanted to talk about, the shitty documentary making at the beginning, where it's Mia in front of that really bad screen.
0: Yes. That's something that
1: we need to talk about. Is that intentional? Is that the filmmaker not knowing how to make a documentary, or is that somebody who's been to film school, seen all this shit, and been like, hmm, man... Well, this, I w- is, this is what a terrible
0: medical student's documentary would look like. Well, I would make the assumption that the director had been to some sort of film school. And the thing that leads me to that is there are lots of
1: shots in this that are really good. Oh, yeah. They kind of break their premise a few times. We're like, nope, this is clearly a set-up shot.
0: Well, isn't the co-writer, isn't he a cinematographer of some sort? Mm, Didn't very
1: he- well might be because, like I said, the writer was... Gavin Heffernan right. there's a character named Gavin, Gavin so yeah. I mean maybe
0: I was just thinking though cuz I read a little bit about his background and he's been involved in a lot of movies and not just writing so I think that maybe some of the the neat camera stuff might have come from him because it wasn't this um this gentleman's first directorial
1: uh, I think there might. I mean Full length, yeah, yeah. I think there was a couple of shorts and stuff that he did before that, but I think believe this was his directorial debut.
0: Okay, so I'm thinking some of the fancy camera stuff came from Gavin.
1: Right, but I mean I assume he also went to film school. Well yeah. <laughs> so mean, yeah. So I not everybody that comes out of film school is a dipshit. Like some of them do know how to set up shots.
0: Fair enough. And which some actually of them-
1: leads into what I kinda wanted to talk to about, but since we're talking about the director This was the only film he made until he got the last two Insidious movies that were made.
0: And were those any good?
1: I have not seen any of them but the first one. But what I'm saying is that he made such an impression that uh, a franchise that's making money for a studio had enough faith in him to hire him to do these based Mm -hmm. on just
0: this flick, pretty much. And it's weird, the legs that it had because it was never distributed well and then it got on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And... People who love this movie rabidly love this movie.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's got a lot of faults that we'll get into. Oh yeah, it's pretty good
0: as a whole. Yeah, well, as an allegory, um, yeah. you were right though. There's too many stories going on.
1: Yeah, there are there are obviously sparks of brilliance in this, but it's not quite there. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, uh, they show the kind of documentary thing that she's making. And, like I said, the corpse at the end of that, when they're showing all the uh, victims of Alzheimer's. Yes. The last corpse, it's got its mouth that looks like a butthole. Yes. Like, man, that looked
0: bad. <laughs> but I have actually seen that, and that's kind of what that looks like. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Sarah's drinking on the porch, and we kind of get a glimpse into uh, Sarah and Deborah's tumultuous relationship. Because mm-hmm. they talk about when she was ten, she was sent off to boarding school for kissing a girl. Oh yeah, out yeah. In the, out in their shack or whatever.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And it kind of gives some insight into who Deborah is as well, because later when she kind of starts yelling a little bit, mm-hmm. like, she says, "Oh, I would never speak like that." but we don't know i mean somebody who's willing to send their child off to boarding school and makes all the little comments that she makes to her daughter mm-hmm. behind closed doors how does she act
0: well yes but the other thing too is we find out later in the film that was right around the time she would have been going to boarding school i think was that she was or the daughter was going to be one of the killer's victims yeah yeah, yeah. so maybe her sending her off to boarding school was a way to make her safe that, that's a good point. That's so a good point. it was like a happy accident.
1: All right, well, all right let's get back into this. Um, There's so much to cover. I didn't like any of the security cam because this is about the part where they start setting up uh, the night vision security cameras. And it was the just the thought of like, man, you were doing so good with this. Again, this was made in 2014. The boat had kind of left the station for found footage films, and you're Mm -hmm. rehashing this old-ass trope that none of us want to see.
0: Well, see, luckily for me, it's not an old-ass trope to me. I've only seen Blair Witch Project. And I saw it at the movies when it came out. And so this is the only other one, so I don't really have anything to compare it to, except that there were, like, two scenes, which I swear they ripped right out of the movie. (laughs)
1: And we also get another insight into who Sarah is because she says she wants to drink herself to death. Oh, yeah. When uh, Mia's doing like a little exam on her, you know, just taking her blood pressure. She's, you know, oh, my God, your blood pressure is... This is insane. Like, you know, stress is the biggest killer. Yep. Sarah says, like, I'll, I'll die of cirrhosis of the liver before that. And just kind of, like, laughs about it and looks at the camera and realizes that no one else is laughing. That kind of sick, dark humor.
0: Yeah, that nobody gets. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Uh, I would say the performances from the leads were all outstanding. And I still have to make a decision whether it was a choice from the actors to be bad actors because they were a camera crew and trying to portray regular people. Oh. Or they just were bad actors. I <laughs> That's still... who they could afford. <laughs> yes. Is there a film school nearby? Yeah.
1: So this is one of the scenes that I really, really like that really draws me into this movie. It does a thing that in the shot immediately kind of made me mad. It's where they hear that loud thud. And the camera kind of pans down to that doorway. And you see Deborah scuttle by. Oh, yeah. And then it catches the tail end of her turning a corner. Okay. And I was just like, son of a bitch, they're doing this fucking thing. But when they come around that corner, she's standing there. Mm-hmm. So they didn't... Well, yeah, it y- wasn't the cheap bullshit like, oh, and now she's gone. Right. It's the devil's work. No, she
0: was standing there. And they, I think they did this really well. Up until they did some of the money shots, a lot of this could honestly be attributed... A lot of this behavior could honestly be attributed to... Um, extreme Alzheimer's symptoms it was on the spectrum of actual behaviors for people with Alzheimer's so they, they had that whole part where nobody believed them and I thought that was really really cool
1: yep and it's also the part where Deborah pulls a knife on Gavin because she's in the uh accusing him of stealing her spade which Sounds stupid, but it actually comes back at the end of the film because she needs that spade.
0: I would like to say remember how many times I've complained about movies not paying off? They introduced something and never paid off? Yes. This movie went the entire opposite way. Uh huh. They introduced a million things and paid off a million things, but because of my attention span, I had to watch the movie three times to get where they paid everything off. And uh-huh. they did just about.
1: Yeah, almost everything.
0: Almost everything. And uh, I, I still don't know how I feel about the ending. I was initially pissed off.
1: We'll, we'll get there. Okay. But uh, what I really like is that Deborah has the knife, and this dude is like, by the end of the scene, is standing on their countertop because he's trying to get away from this raving woman with a knife. And Luis, the other, like cameraman, just like, man, get down from there. <laughs> it was just a the little hints of like,
0: Oh, they're trying to ground this in reality. Yeah, but actually it pays off for a funny moment later if you think about it. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It sure does. Um, So, hey, by the way, for once, I actually paid a whole lot of attention to this movie. Yeah,
1: and that's also the part where Deborah peels her neck off.
0: Yes. Uh.
1: The effects on it weren't great, but they used, I think... The darkness to their advantage oh if yeah had that been lit better i think it would have looked real bad
0: it would have looked like crepe paper yeah and a little k-rose syrup but again the way they did it
1: in that dark room of a dark house they didn't flash it up like that was real but almost felt like real documentary filmmaking right like they just caught it
0: but also if you take a look at it considering what what uh Deborah was becoming the shedding of a skin was symbolic yep there's so many, so many little bits of symbolism, and I didn't really pay attention to symbolism in movies until you mentioned that one-legged seagull mm-hmm. from from that classic *Humanoids from the Deep*. Yep. So I really checked into a lot of the symbolism in this movie.
1: And here's another one of the shots that kind of almost, like we were talking about, maybe off mic, betrays their premise of documentary filmmaking is the mirror scene, where she got home from the hospital and she's sitting
0: on her bed talking into the mirror Oh yes I've, I'd, I'd chosen to blank that one out because it freaked me out so bad It's a very good shot it is but it, it was super creepy
1: again it's just like man this director knows what he's doing this movie's chugging along great mm-hmm it's very very good
0: although when I when I stop and think about horror movies to me this was more of a creepy movie it was a very mood piece. A yes. very thoughtful movie. So it didn't need a hundred big scares. Yep. So I think they used, I think they used the um, horror elements really, really well in this movie. Oh, absolutely. I, oh, I really like I'll it. let you talk about whichever one you want to start with, bud.
1: Um, the nailing the windows scene.
0: Oh, where they walk in and she's pounding the nails?
1: Yep. And mom's pounding nails into the windows again. And then they come back, and the window is open. The nails, nails. are still in the window, Just covered hang in blood. Just Yep. And her nightdress, we'll say, mm-hmm. is laying in the yard covered in blood. Yep. She's got huge tears in her back, and she is stabbing the Christ out of the ground.
0: Yep. With the spade that they gave her back. Yep. And as if she was looking for something mm. in the yard. Hmm. Hmm. Doing mm. a little night gardening, Mom? Nope. Oh, and and the funny thing is, too, they set these things up and pay them off later, but it doesn't seem like I'm being set up for something the first time I watch it. Exactly. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I could see them night gardening, but, you know, forgetting the window real quick. Uh-huh. A lot of these things could be explained, so I'm like, oh, okay, that's still within the realm of Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then... Again, one of the shots that kind of betrays their premise is the hand-washing scene, where they mm. bring her back in from the gardening, and she is fucking snarling at Mia.
0: Yes, and covered in blood, all the hands, just yeah. nails peeled.
1: Yeah, Nails peeled, covered in blood and dirt, and Deborah doesn't seem to give a shit. All she wants to do is just... Dare disgustedly at this woman. Yes. And again, it's such a good shot that it betrays their premise of like documentary and found footage. That's clearly just like, Oh, well set up shot. Well, ab- yeah, that's kind of the director. I don't want to say like his sizzle reel, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah we can do this, but check this out too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody will notice. Look, it's really, really good.
1: So they sit her down and they're showing her the footage because mm-hmm. they were filming while she was obviously doing the night gardening thing, right? And she starts out with, you know, why didn't you stop me, this innocent woman? And you see her change. Yes, and she just headbutts the camera. <laughs> yes, it's, this is kind of where it starts to get a little funny and stupid.
0: Now, was it? <clears throat> did they show her this footage? Was that the part where she's like, oh, that that's disgusting. That's horrible. I would never do anything like that.
1: I think. They're showing her the footage, and that's why she says all that. Yes,
0: yes, okay. I, I'm just, uh, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've i watched this movie three times, and I still have trouble keeping it uh, I, yeah. in yeah. order in my head, because it, there are so many <laughs> cool set pieces in this thing.
1: Yeah, and this is, again, my second podcast in a row, so my brain's fried. But, yeah, all right, we're trying to keep on this. So they take her to the hospital, and they say that she has an aberration on her back. Like, there's a strange scaly quality.
0: Yes, yes. And they never really close up on it, but as, this, as the film progresses, the, the, her posture is more snake-like. Yeah. The scales, all of it makes sense after a little while. Uh huh.
1: And she's in, talking to a counselor and peels off part of her arm mm-hmm. with the whole skin shedding. Yeah, and, and it looked good actually. That was one of those. It was a well-lit room, so you mm-hmm. could see everything, and it looked it looked pretty fucking good.
0: Oh, that's probably where they spent their money.
1: Yeah, on that one scene. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that that scene. It's going to be lit. So effects, come here. We got got about $200 extra for you. Just make it look real.
1: Right. So here's where they kind of fuck up. The scene of her playing the piano, Mm -hmm. I believe if I remember correctly, it's at like 23 minutes and they immediately show her final form while she's playing the piano and looks toward the
0: camera. Yeah, but I, it didn't clock with me, because I was, at that point, that was the first time I watched it, I was so bored.
1: Well, and the whole time they're showing her, like, increasingly receding hairline throughout the whole thing. Well, yeah. And then when she turns and looks at the camera all kind of hunched over with that smile, and she's pretty much bald, like, Oh, well, you just gave your ending away, like, right there. <laughs> hey,
0: look, it's Voldemort.
1: yeah. Yeah, it's where I just write, oh, her final form at the piano.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, it is pretty stupid. But, I, again, I didn't notice it. And, again, I've seen it three times. Now I'm going to watch it I'll be like, God damn it.
1: And the cross thing is pretty stupid, too. Again, yeah. This is where this movie gets kind
0: of goofy and dumb because the ah, Gavin, I believe is his name, yeah, that he's the guy who he's the only smart one of the entire crew, by the way. Yeah.
1: The only smart one. He turns on the camera and says, "Hey Luis, I know you always tell me not to fuck with your equipment. I'm going to go put this cross on the window." And like as soon as he does
0: it flies open and Deborah's standing there and just like, mm. Yeah, that was a gimme. I saw, I I don't watch horror movies very often. Well, now I do, but yeah, that was a just cheap scare. Yeah. It didn't need to be there. Did not need to be there.
1: This is where I wrote this I, like, stopped and just wrote a short, very short paragraph. Have at it. This is the point in the film where, and it's not this film's fault, but it runs into the same problems, I'm sorry, runs into the same problem that all Possession movies kind of inherently have, which is at some point it's going to get real stupid.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like when you finally see the monster. Sometimes it's just whack. But, like, I mean,
1: with any Possession movie, at some point, it's just gonna... Like, man, this is dumb. And people can say anything that they want about The Exorcist being a good movie. It's really not.
0: It's really stupid. Yeah, I I saw it when I was, what, eight? Okay, well, let's break
1: down The Exorcist before people want to start giving the taking of Deborah Logan any shit for being corny. The plot of The Exorcist is a small girl infested by a demon who is able to be bedridden with modern pharmaceuticals even though it can levitate spin reagan's head around Mm -hmm. all that but no thorazine will keep it at bay
0: yeah how much thorazine did they pump into her anyway
1: yeah and also at the end of that chris the mother should have been in jail because oh you mean your daughter looks like she's been horribly abused your director died outside your home and there's two dead priests on your premises care to explain that
0: um mistakes were made
1: yeah, so this is what I'm saying is that if you're going to get into possession movies, you can't—you absolutely have to suspend your belief because if not, all of them follow pretty much a pattern and it's all stupid.
0: Yeah, well, I will tell you, I, I got to suspend a lot of that because I was busy really, really working on the allegory of um, being possessed and having your entire self subsumed and not being yourself anymore and other people have to continue to take care of you. Yeah. So it's the same thing with the possession. So I was working all that out in my head to see how far that allegory went.
1: Because what we're not talking about as far as this getting really stupid is the whole part with Deborah levitates onto the stove. Oh, yeah.
0: But that was was a fun shot, though. Just that click up and she was up there. Sure. (laughs) Well, I've never seen it before.
1: No, I know. That's why I'm saying, yeah, sure. And (laughs) I'm guessing it's been done to death. Yeah, and the one part that again made me want to think that there was like heavy studio notes is one of them says, "Well, maybe she got up there in a chair," and I think it's Gavin because he has a couple lines where yeah. he calls out how stupid it is. He's like, do you see a fucking chair? Yes. Or the part where she's speaking in garbled French. Oh,
0: when that scene came up and he played it he played it. Yeah. And he edited it, and it was in French, but this demonic French. Stupid. Yeah, this li- is dumb. <laughs> oh no, that that actually worked really well for me.
1: Oh, I hated it. I hated every minute of it.
0: Well, that shows the otherness. <laughs> you know that that's the first real proof proof that hey, there's possession here. There's this is not regular stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's in every single possession movie you could ever hope to watch. Well, all, it's
0: real old and tired. <laughs> well, including this one, it would be all both of them. I I, I think I read a, a possession book once, but. Not not my cup of tea. Usually, this one though, it helped my interest.
1: And then continuing on with the stupid, we get the switchboard scene.
0: Again, I loved that scene, but it ruined <laughs> I, it. It ruined the idea of a uh, a documentary.
1: They show her in her final form again. <laughs> again. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, man! With you the electricity. You were sizzling at the beginning of this.
0: Get it? Electricity. You gotcha. I got yeah. it right there with you. Yeah.
1: I made a joke. Oof. But yeah, like, man, you were cruising right along with a cool original premise, and they just fell ass first into every possession trope that there is.
0: Some say they might have resisted it.
1: At one point. Okay. So we, yeah, I know. I got it.
0: I know. I'm just having piece a dad sh- moment. Piece of shit. I, I could not.
1: All right, so they watch a documentary inside of this documentary?
0: Yes, about uh, De Hardin. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was bad. Uh-huh. However, the documentary inside of the movie was better than the documentary <laughs> presented by the documentary crew in the movie.
1: I didn't look it up, and I'm sure it wasn't, but the old man that they had playing, was it? Desjardins. Yeah However, they were badly pronouncing that name, just butchering it completely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It looked like Michael Caine. I, I,
0: I was right there with you. I was like, "Is that Michael Caine?" I, I had to look really hard because I had to stop and pause it. I mean, to be fair, he was also in like Jaws four and shit. So I don't know. Well, Michael Caine was Michael in. Okay, and I'm going to be in this
1: movie.
0: <laughs> okay, Mr. Caine, here you go. I'm going to play the ghost. <laughs> All right, Mr. Caine. <laughs>
1: You know, all you have to do to say Michael Caine's name is pretend to have a British accent and then just say Michael My- Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine.
0: Yeah. Wow, it sounds like Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean Connery saying Michael Caine's name. It works great. Yeah. Wow, your your impression skills are yeah. top notch, buddy. And When they're
1: going and looking through all the t- looking for all the documentary shit, I kid you not. Again, Gavin, with the funny jokes, literally says, this is some Scooby-Doo shit. <laughs> i have forgotten about that. Oh, man.
0: Again, the middle of this movie is such a drag. When was the first time he... he when, was this about the time where he's like, this is not normal, this is not right, this is fucked up, uh, um, I've got to leave? No,
1: that is in a minute after they do okay. some more horrible shit. Okay. For some reason... After she's peeled her skin off and all this other shit. Oh, they let her go her, home. Yeah, and zapped herself on the fucking switchboard, she's back at home and you know, they're asking what happened? And she whispers, Murder. <laughs> I laughed so goddamn hard I almost had to pause the fucking movie. <laughs>
0: oh, this is the part where they were trying to ask her about 337. Yes. Yeah, what what happened? He disappeared. He he just thirty years ago he just up and vanished. And he's no, what do you know about it, mom? Murder, (laughs) fucking come on. I know, but but I will will tell you this the woman who played Debra, she owned every second of it. And it's Uh odd because did you read it? Did you read the interview? She had never seen a horror movie before. I don't doubt it just by looking at it, but then she started watching them after, yeah. But yeah, uh, no, she had never seen one before, and she was having so much trouble trying to inhabit this this persona uh-huh. that the director, director actually had to really help her out with it, but then about halfway through the movie, she got it. Yeah. And so... <laughs> oh, but yeah, she, you're a pro. You got this. Yeah, I can act. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Makes me think that she never, like, read the script before getting there. It was just like, yeah, you're hired. Fuck it. <laughs> She's been in stuff. Yeah, it's like, wow,
0: 75 years old. Uh, how many offers are coming down the pike? Uh, yeah, I'll take it.
1: So they do the obligatory. She goes to the bathroom, passes out the black blood.
0: That wasn't black mm-hmm. blood. That was dirt with worms in it.
1: Oh, was it? Well, either way, it looked, she vomits up black shit. Yeah.
0: But it also explains yeah, what she was doing. I did see the worms in it. Yeah. I
1: thought it was vomit that she had. Been, yeah.
0: No, it was literally black dirt. And they said they originally for that scene, they wanted to show it, so they rigged up a, rigged up some kind of machine to, you know, eject it. Yeah. It blew up, <laughs> and just. Dirt and worms just splattered everywhere over the entire set, over all the actors and actresses. Oh man, I bet they had to pay a huge fine
1: for like the animal cruelty.
0: Oh, yeah, for the worms.
1: Yeah, because I know in like uh, Serial Mom, the John Waters movie, Mm -hmm. they had to kill a fake fly because the like animal safety person on set wouldn't let them kill a fly. Wow. Yeah, like you cannot harm anything on the set of a film. So if they blew up a bunch of worms, they're just like, man. Fucking, we got to pay fine over worms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, our budget isn't that big. We'd have to lose one of our visual effects. Don't kill a worm. So, right after this,
1: we start hearing gunshots, which actually, I really like when there is a gun in a horror movie because there aren't a lot. A lot of horror movies are stabbing or like possession and you mm-hmm. know, strangulation, whatever. It was nice to see a gun in a horror film.
0: yes, yes. I've got nothing to compare it to, but yes.
1: But in reality, it was just Harris outside. Old and friendly neighbor Harris, shit hammered.
0: Shooting out the windows of the van. Hell yeah. But that that alludes to the shit. Remember earlier he said, I want these people out of there. They're exploiting us. They're exploiting everything. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, he knew something. Uh Uh-huh. He was afraid that too many people there would disturb it. But at the time, it's
1: played as just like he's very concerned for Deborah. Right but again when we find out later that that's not quite the case Mm -hmm. all of this comes back and again yeah the plant and payoff for all this shit was very good
0: oh yeah and i appreciate that from this movie because i again i complain constantly where they put this in there and i don't know what happened yep so we got that there there are parts of this movie that confuse me like the last 20 minutes were shot so fast yeah. So many cuts, the jumpy cam that you were talking about. Yeah, the
1: geography of it is confusing.
0: And again, I've only seen one other found footage movie, and I spotted two of the things from the original one that I'd seen. Right. In that one, it's like when they were standing in those little vaults in the back room in the hospital. Yep. With the back to the back to the camera, mm-hmm. it's the ending scene of Blair Witch Prodigy. Yeah. And there was one other one, I forgot what it was, but I was like, oh, that's exactly that scene from Blair Witch. So Mm -hmm. I can see how it might be redundant having seen it that many times before.
1: Yeah. And right after this is when, what you were talking about, uh, Gavin takes the fuck off. Oh, yeah. And they Mia tries to make it sound like he's such an asshole, whatever, for leaving. Like, no, these people's maniac neighbor just shot out. All of the windows and shit in my van, and shot at us in the house. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. And I love that his last words of the film are "fuck both of you." Mm-hmm. And I love that they didn't bring him back. He is fucking gone. It
0: is the honestly the first horror movie I ever seen where somebody actually fucked off and stayed fucked off. Yeah, like in the middle of all this, is just like nah. Because <laughs> I, I probably would have noped out of there. Probably the first weird thing.
1: Yeah, because before that he's. Like, straight up tells her he's like, double my rate or I'm mm-hmm. fucking leaving.
0: And then the other guy's like, Oh, um, If am he gets I double yeah. too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's very good.
0: Oh. And I, I like, I will say that that was the one part where they seem like an actual crew. Uh huh. Hey, if he gets money, I want money. Yeah.
1: And it it kind of sucks that that's who they got rid of because Gavin was the only one that had like those stupid one liars and was just, yeah. he was the only kind of funny character that's.
0: You needed a little, something the, like that, because everything there was so much heaviness to this movie. Yeah, okay,
1: I'm not even going to say he was funny. He was the only one that was like clearly observant of the situation. Yep. just like, what the fuck
0: is going on here? Well, he, again, he well him and the other guy, there were only two without, without any ulterior motives. Yeah he was he was doing a job for the thing, and it, I'll be fucked if there's no money's worth this. Yeah, no, I'm
1: fucking leaving
0: now. but uh, the girl who was making it. She's got a lot riding on it. This is her grade. This is the people's money. So everybody else probably is more willing to overlook it. But Gavin's like, oh, bump this noise. I'm fucking off now. Right. Uh, All right. But yeah, they needed a little bit of lightness, though, because even though what, what he says wasn't inherently funny, but because this, the tone of this movie was so dark and so, I don't know, it was sort of claustrophobic his little one-liners actually made me laugh because everything else was so heavy Yeah. in that movie. So I was like, oh.
1: So this is about the time where Deborah tries to steal the girl for the first time. Oh, yeah. She tries to steal a child from the hospital, a child with leukemia. Right. And but Who they've made to look almost exactly, exactly like, like her, her.
0: Yes. And they're walking in a zombie-like state.
1: Yes. A fugue state. It, they say it earlier. in the Oh, film. that's right.
0: A fugue state. Yeah. But
1: in my, 2014, I think that was right after Breaking Bad might have done it, and they're just like, eh, hey, fuck! It, 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 it sounds good.
0: People, people buy it. <laughs> people love it. <laughs> yeah, fugue state. Get it now. People are into it. <laughs> Catch it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, anyway, back to the fugue state. Um, I can't figure. Was it the demon possessing the little girl through Deborah?
1: Not a clue. This is where everything gets Or kind was
0: of it actually not a demon, but she, Deborah was possessed by DeHardine? Yes, yeah, I think so, because they go to this...
1: Okay, we missed one of the funniest parts, is they go to, I want to say, somebody who's kind of like an Ed Warren type. Ed Warren? Yeah, he did... He's a huckster. Anyway. Oh, okay. They go to this guy, and... He says, well, you know, the most likely scenario Oh, yeah, scenario the guy with
0: that, the, the weird sleeves.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the most likely scenario is that it's this, 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 and this. And with no convincing, he turns around after they say, oh, well, we think it's more than that. Oh, well, in that case, we'll set you up with a, this demonologist or whatever. Like, this guy's a fucking criminal.
0: What, possession, you say? Yeah. Why, I've got just the thing for you. <laughs> P, it's with a capital P. <laughs> And that stands for possession. (laughs) And at this
1: point, too, it's very funny because Mia starts going everywhere with Sarah. Like, she gets really into this. Like, because she's instrumental in, like, finding some of the documentary shit. And, like, she gets really into it. And, yeah, before that, even Gavin's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, we're not part of this. We need to go.
0: Oh, and, yeah. That is, though, a lot of documentarians talk about being able to separate yourself from what you're filming because you're there so often. Yeah. So it's almost like Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. She's she's hanging with Sarah because they're part of this thing now. And like, again, they quote some Scooby-Doo shit. It does. It turns into the fucking mystery. Oh, my shit. God. A redhead. Glasses. Uh-huh. It's exactly Scooby-Doo. <laughs>
1: They do a Scooby Doo.
0: Oh, my great Oogly Moogly. I did not catch that until just now.
1: So, the next note that I have written down is a, uh, oh, what are you up to now, Harris? Because he's in Deborah's room. And the answer is a, uh, murder.
0: Ah, yes. <laughs> he's there
1: to kill her. Well, she did say, kill me. Yeah. Deborah so, did. Huh? So, yeah. Harris puts the, <laughs> I laugh so hard at this scene as well. It's the shitty security footage. They show Harris put the pillow over her face and the demon yanks a TV off the wall and brains him right in the back of the head.
0: And all I could think of is the nightmare on Elm Street. When the chick gets killed by the television.
1: They show him later, like, in serious
0: condition, like, no, that elderly man would be dead. (laughs) They would have found him slumped atop her body. Because it was one of those big, old, solid-state TVs. It wasn't a flat screen like we got now. No. this thing had to weigh, like, 50 pounds. Yeah, this was a fucking dumbbell being whipped at his head. And it was still sparking as it was flying. Yeah. So, yeah, no, then, no. It, he
1: got pulled off with the force of demon speed.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> this movie's great. <laughs> oh, I, I'll still need some more convincing, bud.
1: So then we cut back to uh, the adventures of Sarah and Mia, and they do all the detective work and figure out that, uh, oh, wait, no, Deborah killed that fucking guy. Oh, yeah. Because
0: no, they get it from Harris. They find they, out from Harris, yeah. Because, because
1: for no explainable reason, they are allowed to be alone with a man who is just brained by a TV. All the doctors, all they say is like, oh, we need to talk to him for a minute. And they all just kind of fuck off. I thought she snuck in. I, I thought they talked to the doctors like, we need to speak to him just for a second. Yeah, but I think they said, were
0: talking to her and she snuck in, is what I thought. All right? maybe. Because well, remember, then. they came right in. They came in like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, she snuck in while the other ones were talking to her. Oh, talking right. to the doctor. All right,
1: because, yeah, he whispers, It was your
0: mother, Sarah. <laughs> Which makes the murder <laughs> yeah. make more sense.
1: It's so goddamn stupid. But, all right, so this is where, in my opinion, this movie kicks back into being a very effective and well shot good horror film The Attic. When oh, they get up to the attic, it's my. Soon as they pulled down that fucking staircase to go up there. I immediately perked up and was like, fuck
0: yeah, they're going in the attic. Well, yeah, but you could see, the, it looked like the outline of a body mm-hmm. in wetness. Uh-huh. And they got up there and it was covered in ectoplasm? Like Sli- yes, yeah, yeah, slime. Looked like, it looked like Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, slimer came through. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't make a lick of fucking sense, but I liked it. <laughs> it probably makes sense if you know stuff about demons. Because I'm thinking about it. Remember, um, you know, the idea of rebirth and the, like, the rattlesnakes and the sacks and all that stuff? Yeah. So maybe that was supposed to represent that? I don't know. It was but,
1: weird. Yeah, that was the next thing, because uh, they find the bag, which is, I forget how they pronounce it. It's supposed to be Desjardins, but right. they say it, how the fuck do they say it? Like, Desjardins or
0: something? Right, right. The, <laughs> and they just butchered It's um Desjardins.
1: Yeah, they, they butchered a very common name. Yeah. Because it, they say something in the documentary like, oh, nobody knows where he went. Maybe he fucked off back to Quebec.
0: Well, then you should be able to extra pronounce his name. Yeah. He's French.
1: In the documentary. <laughs> Inside the documentary.
0: I had forgotten about that. But anyway,
1: yeah. So they bring, uh, Sarah opens it in the attic, and she's like, oh, fuck, this is a body.
0: Mm-hmm. Then na- They bring it downstairs. Yeah, And they
1: instantly know that they need to burn it. But it turns out, it's a bag of snakes! It, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I think we have forgotten to mention that snakes have played an integral role. Snakes show up quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Or black asps.
0: Asps and rattlesnakes. Yes. Saw one rattlesnake. Although they did not say they used garter snakes for the movie, except for the one boa.
1: <laughs> They're just out back. There's some fucking... <laughs> Grip, just spray-painting garter snakes black, hoping that the fucking animal people don't catch them. everybody <laughs> had to pay for those fucking worms. <laughs> you
0: yeah, the worm to to Todd,
1: debacle. I swear to God, Todd, you get caught spray-painting those fucking snakes, and I will fire Shh. you. Around. They're going to
0: see us. Just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just a snake. It's not a paint can.
1: My God, do I hope that was the reality of the situation. I know it wasn't, but... Well,
0: it is now. It is my, now the reality.
1: Mind, absolutely. But yeah, bag of snakes. Man, that was fucking boss.
0: Oh, that (laughs) was choice. That was very cool.
1: It's such a cool shot because it's not like one or two. It's like six or eight snakes that come Mm -hmm. flooding out of this bag with a body in it.
0: Now, I'm trying to remember. That was everything that happened upstairs. They brought the bag downstairs. They put it in front of the fireplace. They were going to burn it, and then the snakes came out. Or no, they were going to burn it after the snakes came out.
1: I Fuck, I don't remember the order, but I know they set it on fire, and it puts itself out.
0: Right, and the thing exploded boom, Yeah, and knocked him, knocked him back. Yeah. The obligatory explosion scene. Mm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely superb. It was superb. real bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, man, why'd you guys try and do like a lethal weapon right in the middle of this fucking actually like really good third act?
0: <laughs> well, again, it, it, it does sputter a few times. <laughs> we made a choice. <laughs> We're
1: not proud of it, but we made a choice. <laughs>
0: We only had this much money.
1: Well, We already spent the money on that before somebody brought up, hey, man, that's going to look stupid. Like, yeah, we already sunk two hundred grand into it. Let's roll it. Yeah, fuck it. All right, so uh, this is about the time that Deborah breaks out of her arms. I mean, there's a whole lot of other shit with her in the hospital. Oh, yeah. F- flopping around, being possessed, whatever. Mm. It's fine. It's regular horror movie fodder. It's, it's set ti- dressing. Yeah, it's time filler. But yeah, then she uh, rips herself out of her arm constraints. Yes, Or only one arm, I guess, because she just undoes the other one. Right, but man, (laughs) ooh,
0: it looked good. Yes, it did. There's all no, there's all even in the confusing parts with the shaky cam and the darkness and the light. There were there, there were a few parts in the movie like. There's a light switch on the wall. Yeah. Why are we in the dark? You guys are filming. Flip the fucking lights. Just click the switch. How much effort is it going to take? Just (laughs)
1: click it. Shouldn't you have lights on them cameras?
0: (laughs) That too?
1: (laughs) All right. So she breaks out of her arm constraints. Mm -hmm. Steals the same little girl. Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody can find
0: her for some fucking reason? Because they went into an abandoned wing. Abandoned no, I wing.
1: mean, in the hospital, because they're running all around looking for her, and finally one guy finds them, and she's standing there holding the little girl's hand, and he says, you know, ma'am, mm-hmm. is everything okay? And I think it's that shitty security footage, but she bites him right in the fucking neck. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: <laughs> it rules. And that after that is when they go into the abandoned wing of the hospital.
1: Yeah. Yep, and they're kind of chasing her around and everything. Okay.
0: Now, again, not watching a whole lot of horror movies. abandoned hospital wings got, sounds like the cheesiest hackneyed shit uh-huh. in the entire universe to me. And it looked that way to me. I'm like, I, I haven't well, seen this, but I've seen this.
1: Also, it is a rural town.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how'd the hospital, either the, the town shrunk...
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's
0: just no reason I, I, for I the had hospital
1: no, to have been that big? I, I had no uh, recourse for why that was a good <laughs> suggestion. It's a small town.
0: Oh, Okay, I thought there was a reason behind <laughs> no, it. I'm,
1: no, okay. no, no. I was trying to do the movie's work for it, and then I <laughs> fell flat on my face.
0: <laughs> well, you know, part of my head wants to make it make sense instead of a loose end because I want the movie to be better. Yeah. So I try to make it make sense in my head. And there's a few things in this movie I can't quite... It pays off everything, but there's some things that I still can't quite get. Yeah. It's like, I could swear that okay. while Deborah was possessed, she had venom.
1: Okay, well, we're getting to this. Okay. Because the scene, for some reason, the police picked up the film crew. That would never happen. No. <laughs> Ever. But for some reason, they do.
0: Or if they did, they'd take them straight to the station.
1: Yeah. But anyway, so they bring uh, Luis and Mia, and then mm-hmm. there's two of the sheriffs. And this is, again, one of my favorite parts is Luis is just like, man, I'm the fuck out of here. Uh-huh. And I believe Mia even says the line like, I completely understand. Like, everybody gets it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Man, I didn't stay involved in this for way too
0: long. <laughs> there was one more good one-liner, though, after Gavin left. Yeah. Remember when they were going up the stairs? And they were like, Luis, you go first. And he's like, sure, send the brown guy up first. We know how this ends. Oh, God, I hated that scene so much. I know, but I thought, hey, they're keeping a little bit of that humor still left. Yeah. And I'm sitting there as the resident Mexican going, yeah, that'd probably have to be the first one to go up, and I'd be dead in this movie already. Great.
1: But the scene of them trying to arrest her is so visually fucking striking. Yes. It is Perfect.
0: Yeah, because you, you know there's something wrong, but she's so supernaturally still.
1: And her and the little girl are standing in opposite directions, but still holding hands. Mm-hmm.
0: And the little girl keeps going, he's a nice man. He's yep. going to take me to the river. Mm-hmm. He's a nice man. He's going to take me to the river.
1: And they get one handcuff on Deborah.
0: hmm
1: while she's still holding this little girl's hand, and she is fucking possessed out at this point. Oh, yeah. She is a fucking monster. Not, yes. Not her final form, but she is a monster.
0: Which, of course, we've seen twice now.
1: Yes. But here we get it in full-on view, and it's shot so goddamn well. Cause oh, yeah. Because she looks horrible. Anyway, they get one handcuff on her, and they almost get the second one, and she rears back in space. Bits in the fucking cop's face.
0: Yeah, and hes it's burning. It's burning.
1: Yes, which is... And it's bloody... Yes, which is where why I wanted to interrupt what you were saying because, yes, in that scene, it's very clear that she is venomous. Okay. Because she also attacks him, but what his face looked like when they showed him and said, just get the child or whatever he says, Mm -hmm. his face is so fucked up and disfigured that there's no way that she could have done that that quickly.
0: No. It was and oh, it was that was brutal, that was just brutal, but it again, it was beautifully shot. This was before all the like I have a tough time, my eyes don't react real well to light, yeah, so they dilate slowly. So when you get that real shaky camera we talked about it where the lights change, you know, dark to light, dark to light, mm-hmm. I miss so much. That's why I watched the end part. I think I've watched the end part four times to try to make sense of it.
1: Yeah, and this is, again, like we were talking about the geography of this final scene. Because they're, for some reason, like wandering through a cave.
0: Yeah, but before they get to the cave, they're kind of going through this weird thing with wood and boxes and odd half walls. and Yeah. And stacks. It, it makes no sense. It doesn't look like anything mining. It just looks like part of somebody's basement, maybe. But yeah, it was just, it threw me because then they ended up in the caves. And I'm like, wait, when did this happen? Because it was going fast, it was frenetically paced, and just zip zip zip. Yep. But oh when they finally and Then there's
1: ate. a dead cop full of snakes.
0: Oh. Yeah <laughs> I, I, I blanked that out. That was yeah, that was rough. Yeah. So
1: Sarah and Mia take the camera because I believe that's the only light that they have.
0: Right. Sarah has the camera for the most part to start with, because remember Mia freaks out. Does it make sense? Right. <laughs> Although maybe Sarah just took it. I need the light. That's my mom.
1: It very well might have been. Again, the end of this movie is very confusing because
0: when Mia's freaking out, she, Sarah hands Mia back the camera.
1: Yeah, so they get to a real claustrophobic scene where they're crawling
0: through mm-hmm. this
1: like cave corridor, almost like yeah. on their hands and knees. They're
0: spelunking.
1: Yes, they are definitely spelunking. They are Dora the Explorer iting up something. That made sense, right? Those were words.
0: Yes, indeed they were. <laughs> and I'm a map.
1: Yes. So, this is another part that made me laugh really hard. Sarah tells a snake to go fuck itself. Yes. <laughs> because that tunnel that they're in is full of snakes. Indeed it is. And I'm waiting for somebody to get bit. Uh-huh. And she just grabs a snake by the throat and yells, Go fuck yourself! And throws
0: it aside. That was good. There was some good. There were I, some I, really I good acting performances in that. I, I chuckled pretty heartily. I'm, you know what I'm guessing? I'm guessing that one crawled too close to the actress, and that was not not scripted at all.
1: And here's where I think both of us get confused because they kind of find Deborah, and she again attacks Sarah and Mia and bites the shit out of everybody. Yep. Did Mia
0: die? Do we see her again? Again, this is where I get confused because I don't know what happened to Mia. I don't know what happened to Sarah. I don't...
1: Oh, no, because Mia's there when we get to the
0: what should have been the final frame. Oh, the denouement? Yes. And... I've always wanted to say that word, by the way. I've never had a chance to, so that made me very happy.
1: And...
0: Oh, yeah. She's a cryptid,
1: essentially. Indeed. <laughs> she has turned into a giant snake that is...
0: Uh, unhinged her jaw, jaw and com- swallowing this child whole. Now, this is again where I get confused, okay? It looked amazing. Though. It was, I know, and I honestly didn't see it coming. Nope. But when I saw it, it was like that little endorphin went on in my head. It was like, all oh, the shit made sense. All the shit made sense. <laughs> uh-huh. You get that beautiful dopamine rush because you're like, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was, it was, it was beautiful. The movie should have ended there. Uh huh. But then. Sarah pulls out a gun. Yeah, because she got the gun from the cop that... Right, that got killed. Yeah. So she busts the cap, pop, just one, one shot, and you can see Deborah's whole face unhinging, yes. hissing at the camera. Uh-huh. And and essentially,
1: that's the little girl. But girl. did you
0: notice, like, it didn't seem to hit anything, but the girl had a wound on her forehead. Now, it's either... I remember from the Desardines, or the Dehardine stuff, the he would carve something on their forehead so either that was a from the bullet or it already been carved before Deborah went over to eat her ooh i'm assuming that was carved before she tried to eat it okay cuz i was trying to make it make sense because the shot didn't seem to hit anything yeah but i saw a wound on the kid's head yeah it
1: looked like a warning shot more than anything
0: right but like i said i was i, I sometimes try to make things make more sense so i can like it more
1: right and yeah, because Mia's still alive, because she's horrified. And mm-hmm. afterwards, uh, Deborah kind of scuttles off. Mm-hmm. And Sarah finds her, and she's like... Uh, finds Deborah anyway, and she's like, Oh, she's hurt. She's hurt, Mom. We gotta get you out of here, blah, 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 blah. And she's holding a gun. The end should have been, <laughs> that, I'm sorry, Mom, I love you, but I have to do this. Blam! In the skull. Again, credits.
0: that would have been a better movie.
1: Mm-hmm. It would have tied up the emotional... Fucking turmoil that those two had faced because through all the things that her mother's done to her all the little nitpicking that she's done she still loves her mother enough to be there and try and help her her mother seems not ungrateful mm-hmm. but it would have been the perfect emotional catharsis to right. end the film with her shooting her mother in the head because she's a fucking monster
0: right but the other thing too going back to the allegory is that's what happens your family's your your loved one is completely taken away from you you have what's intrinsically an alien in your house. Yes. And the payoff is that the daughter loved her mother enough to keep through it the entire demon possession, which is, again, equal to the, the dementia, which is scary as shit, the idea. Yeah. You know, I'd, you know that just scares me more than anything else that I'm going to be the person in the chair, so that really worked. Made me even more scared about the possession. Yeah, um... Should we say how it ends? Well, absolutely, because I've got a couple things to say about that. I've been working on things. Yeah, me too. Uh,
1: they show that Deborah's not medically fit to stand trial. Trial for the
0: death and destruction of property.
1: Yes, for, well, for all the blatant crimes that she committed. But notice, but notice officers.
0: in those scenes, and this is why I wondered what happened to Sarah, is you see um, Dr. Nazir... Walking her to and from, standing in front of the cameras. You don't see any of Sarah, which you'd think the daughter would at least go with her mom to processing center. Oh. And that's why I was like, what What happened? Because you never see her again in any of the little vignettes at the end. Yeah. And then we get back after that one. We get back to the girl, uh. Kara. They used a l- Sarah, Kara. Uh. One, they were both. They were both. Uh, they were both supposed to be De uh victims. Uh huh. Now watch at the end of the movie. Notice their cancer is in complete remission.
1: Yeah, that's that's where we're going with this. What yep. was
0: Dearden trying to do? Become immortal. Yeah. So that weird smile. I, the only thing that can make it make sense to me is that weird smile that she gives at the end. Oh, I've got something planned. Yeah. That she she got Dearden. Uh, possession and uh, immortality.
1: Okay. And that brings up another question that I really, really had that I wanted to say for the end. Hmm. Is... Is DeHardin supposed to be a demon then? Because I don't think just some dude (laughs) gets to possess you.
0: No, but I think it was a deal he made with demons and now that the deal had finished, the final person had died. Right. Because... Um, well I'm trying again I'm trying to make it make sense if Sarah is a lesbian and have never had sex with a man would she still be considered a virgin if she died would that fulfill the fifth death for the immortality
1: fair but now that being said that little girl is going to be stuck being 12 years old
0: forever right, right. but if he, he was able to transfer into that body who's to say he can't engender five more deaths now
1: okay <laughs> again this is where this movie just completely loses me because none of this makes any goddamn sense and i i think we're trying to do a lot of the movie's work
0: for it oh absolutely and i think this movie does that beautifully for you oh hey we're just going to throw a bunch of random shit up there we'll pay it off but you're gonna have to fill in the blanks yeah i know i, mean, and,
1: I and i'm fine with like an ambiguous ending you know we'll take it how you want but like all right, none of this made any sense. Like well, and you, it, they never set up before that, like, had Sarah again because they know. ended
0: up finally burning that body. Yeah, they finally finally burnt it. And that's which is supposed to release where, the spiritual parasite.
1: And we forgot to say that that's where the spade becomes becomes so important that she was freaking out about earlier in the film, and they found it in the freezer is because she was trying to dig up this body that she had buried out back. to get. Oh, it that's
0: right. That's right. And that's, that's right.
1: why when she collapses on the floor screaming, I need it. I need it.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Again, they pay off a bunch of stuff, but you're, you're right. This movie does make you do a lot of the heavy lifting.
1: Yes. And again, I'm fine with an ambiguous ending that it might make you think, but they pointed it in such a direction where it was... Not leaving it open for
0: interpretation, like leaving again, it open they, for a sequel.
1: Had they ended it with just her being encrypted, you'd have been like, "What the
0: fuck?" <laughs> yeah, and and then the death, everything would be perfect. It would make sense, yeah. Because
1: uh-huh. again, they show no resolution. Is this
0: have, still your argument about studio notes?
1: Kind of, yeah. Just the, I thought that some of this might have been influenced by producers because. There are a lot of times where this movie is very well-written, very concise, very well shot. Mm -hmm. There's brilliant execution in some things. And then there's just the, oh, well, she has to speak in a demonic language in French. Throw that in there. Mm -hmm. She has to be staring out a window. And when they go up in the attic and Gavin's looking through her uh, paintings that she's done, Mm -hmm. he's just whipping this old woman's shit until it gets to the last painting and it's the demon outside the window and he goes ah this lady's got some problems like he makes a little joke like they like a producer came to them and said oh can we throw this in there and they're like well we don't fucking want to but you're paying for it so we have to but we're gonna make fun of how stupid it is in the film
0: but getting back to the interview that i'd read they he had stated that he wanted to put all these things in this movie he wanted these things to be part of this movie because he loved them so much yeah so, him and the other guy who wrote it, the Gavin Gavin guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. But they, what he said was Heffernan, that, Gavin yeah, Heffernan, Heffernan. Yeah, I'll never remember that name. Check out the
1: big brain on bread. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
0: anyways, um, they they said that just pretty much every, everything that they put out there got filmed. Right. So I don't know exactly what that means, but it just seems like that, that's direction. But instead right. of, like, Mickelson... they
1: could have been during the scripting, too, right. where... But oh,
0: Mickelson did a lot of those. In Stakeland, how many tropes did we see? A million tropes, but he made it work. He took these million made, tropes.
1: They exactly made that themselves. Like Okay, I that see. That was like
0: a $600,000 movie. <laughs> okay, no, I, I can kind of see the difference. And, and maybe the director of this was trying to push... Oh, we we did this on our own. The studio didn't... You know, write this. We wrote this. Because everybody loves it now.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, producer notes are just a thing that happens in film. That's, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's just a thing. Sorry. I mean, not everything that you saw, see in movies was, like, directly that writer.
0: Mm-hmm. Or that happened to work that moment during filming. I'm learning a lot about movies now yeah. that I'm doing this. I'm like, oh, wait, so there's backstory to all this
1: stuff. Here's one thing that I want to say about the director. Yeah well I guess and the writing the way that this goes is actually in step with how some of the best documentaries are made because it starts as one thing they're there to videotape her going through the stages of Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. for a thesis for a doctorate Mm -hmm. they show up for one thing and it ends up being a fucking possession that they're there filming all the way through Mm mm-hmm And that's generally how, like, really good documentaries go. When they start digging into a story, it ends up nowhere near where the beginning of it was. Oh,
0: actually, I have seen one other horror documentary. Man Bites Dog? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different podcast.
1: But like I said, um, that's just... That's following, like, the correct steps of how really good documentaries are made.
0: Do you think that was a decision or a happy accident?
1: I think that was a decision because, I mean, documentaries have been doing that for a long time. And one of the best examples that I have of documentary doing that is on Hulu right now, there is a documentary called Cold Case Hammershold. Okay. It is about Dag Hammershold that was... I don't know why I know that name. He was... In, I want to say in the 50s, <coughs> 50s or 60s, he was like the second in command at the UN. And okay. he was trying to put an end to colonialism in Africa. Okay. And his plane purportedly crashed in the jungles of, I want to say what's um, Namibia, but I'm probably wrong. No, Namibia, a place. Well, yeah, either way, it doesn't matter the country. So this guy is talking about how, you know, like, oh, this... People say it was shot down because, you know, he mm-hmm. was trying to fuck with people's money. Right. And it turns out that they start interviewing people, interviewing people, and interviewing people, and they hear about this guy named Keith Maxwell, mm-hmm. who had a group called SIMAR. It was the South African Institute of Maritime Research. Okay. And they start digging into this Keith Maxwell guy, thinking that, you know, he might be connected somehow. With, yeah. And it turns into, they find a guy who was there on the ground with this dude. And what they were doing was setting up fake clinics, because this Keith Maxwell pretended to be a doctor. They were setting up fake clinics and injecting black people with AIDS. Oh, my God. All of this stems from trying to figure out what happened to a U.N. (laughs) lieutenant secretary in, like, the late 50s and early 60s. And it evolves erodes anyway into this massive conspiracy that is kind of how this movie goes where it it ends nowhere near where it begins
0: that you know i really wish i could sit down and watch these movies with you
1: yeah and, and then
0: talk about them right afterwards because you i'm gonna go watch it again yeah to pick up what i missed uh-huh Ah, oh, i hate you fuck you for making me watch this
1: yeah oh,
0: that is the record by the way of the amount of time before I said that in a podcast? I think so. It was I usually mean, right at the beginning. You texted it to me last night. Well, yeah, but that doesn't count. They don't, they don't get to hear my texts. I, I post them all. Oh, good, good, good.
1: <laughs> no. all of them? Especially the ones with your phone number. All right.
0: And anyway, my address?
1: Um, if somebody asked you for a horror film recommendation, would you say, go watch The Taking of Deborah Logan?
0: Well, now that I have more than one that I've seen uh I'd probably suggest other other movies before this, but um, I would suggest this movie because the thing is it it it's
1: it swings wildly this movie's very disjointed it's mm-hmm. uneven. It goes from tremendously scary to almost laughably stupid. And
0: we have the and, boring part, too. Do don't forget the boring yeah, part. Yeah,
1: and the back and forth and back and forth. Like I said, it's not a very consistent film, but when it shines, it fucking shines.
0: Oh, yeah. the I mean, the scares will stay and, with me for a good long time.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing is, like, we tend to do some movies that we kind of laugh about. Like, we made some jokes here today, but, I mean, like, this is a pretty fucking scary movie.
0: It is. It is. There's... N- yeah. Like... It's the one I'm. I had to watch most of this during the day, even after I'd seen it before. Because mm-hmm. when it's dark out, no, It's right. not happening.
1: Here's the other thing I kind of wanted to touch on. Hmm. I I forgot about it until now. I don't know how I feel about using Alzheimer's as a framing device for horror. Like I understand that it bleeds well with possession because you can never tell. Again, why the title of the film is so smart? The taking of Deborah Logan. Mm-hmm. What is taking her? Is it Alzheimer's? Is it possession? But what?
0: that was that—that was the whole thing. Um, the director said that uh, he couldn't think of anything in the world more scary than dementia.
1: Right. But so he wrote a that, movie around it. Again, I don't want to sound like this social justice warrior or anything, but like, is that okay? It. It almost seems exploitative, but it is also a thing that is psychologically terrifying.
0: Okay, if it was about a specific person, as opposed to the disease itself, it, it would... It is. It's
1: about Deborah Logan. It's in the title.
0: Yes and no, because we're talking about the dehumanization that both of them offer. Dementia is dehumanizing. It takes away you. It takes away everything, all your thoughts, everything about you slowly peels away. And it Same exists. Thing, it you know.
1: exists in our reality.
0: Right. Whereas the and that would make the demon possession yet still even more real seeming because it's doing the same thing in a different way. Right. And that's how I kept it. Like I again,
1: I personally I didn't have a problem with it, but after watching this, I just kind of thought like, is this a little exploitative?
0: Well, if they would have said dementia is evil, it's not. Dementia is a thing. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I'd turn that off. Yeah, it's fine. But dementia is a thing.
1: Yeah. As I, I do, again, I don't like that they kind of specifically called out Alzheimer's a lot. Because again, with the science, we talked about it all right, month, right. but like you cannot accurately detect actual Alzheimer's until after death mm-hmm. when they do a like a biopsy on your or an autopsy and check yeah. out your brain and everything. But I can forgive it because again, it's a horror film. I'm plus- not gonna rewrite the entire goddamn thing because they're not doctors.
0: <laughs> well, e- even so, even if they did, don't you think that the general public watching this movie understands Alzheimer's more than it, the idea of dementia? Because dementia can also be it's, a type a lot of... a levels. Yeah, yeah, and there's different types of dementia. Dementia can also mean murderous intent. Right. But when they say Alzheimer's, everybody has a, you know, quick, we know what that is. Just like Kleenex or Coca-Cola or All right, that's Alzheimer's. So
1: yeah long story short i think this is a very competent very well done piece of shit
0: yeah you know <laughs> it is, is
1: a solid six
0: out of ten like i said i was gonna go seven it shines when it shines but man <laughs> but i think mine gained a point because i'm not tired of these tropes yet because i don't know them you know what i mean it's like I don't know what, what they took from because I didn't see those movies. So it, a lot of it was new to me or not terribly overused. All right. But, yeah, no, I, I watched it again to try to make sense of it. Would I watch it again for fun? No. Nah. <laughs> I've actually rewatched a couple of the movies that we've seen. I mean, I don't just to watch them. I'm like, I liked that movie. I think I watched the movies that we do so much that I can only think of a
1: couple that I've gone back and rewatched after we've recorded. because so it's like, man, we well, went through this like a fucking tax return. <laughs> I don't need to watch this again.
0: Well, you have the ability to focus more than I do. Yeah. And so like if I watched a movie once, me. doing it twice for me is sometimes like, like working in the coal mine because I've already been there. Even though I haven't, I haven't paid attention, but my brain's like, dude, you just did this. Come on.
1: But yeah, it is a it is a perfectly acceptable real piece of shit.
0: Indeed. <laughs> Shall we
1: call it? Uh, you got anything to plug? Not yet. Uh, well, you can find us on all the social medias at Horror Vomit. I keep forgetting, and I did it on the last one too, I believe. Uh, you can send us an email at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, the OnlyFans thing is pretty much dead Because they can't do that anymore So yeah, that the, was fun the for the really, two months that it lasted
0: The really good candid photographs Are no longer available
1: uh, They are, I think it's till like October 1st or November So, so
0: get in your quests quick
1: Yeah, nobody gives a shit It's fine um, Well thanks for listening everybody Thank you Alright, bye Boom oh. oh. Fuck you and your finger <laughs> You, would you would be terrifying.